The Son of God goes forth to war, a kingly crown to gain. His blood-red banner streams afar, who follows in his train, who best can drink his cup of water. Welcome to Death and Glory. Death and Glory podcast exists to remind Christians to love our King, die with honor, and live with hope imperishable because Christ has been raised from the dead. I'm Peter Rasmussen, and I'm joined today by my co-host, Jordan Parks. And we are also very excited to have with us our first in-person guest, Pastor Gary Scott. Uh, but before we get started, we want to remind you to check out Puritan.pub. This is a digital safe harbor for Christians seeking a social media alternative to big tech. It was developed by a dear brother, Aaron Chapawala, and is a great way to get connected with other believers. Open your browser and go to, go to puritan.pub slash terms for more information. Gary, would you mind telling our listeners a bit about yourself before we get started? Well, thanks, uh, Peter and Jordan. It's great to be with you. Uh, yes, let me tell you a little bit about my pilgrimage. Uh, I was uh, born in uh, uh, New York State, central New York State, in the Binghamton area, and born into a Christian family. Uh, God saved me when I was a young boy uh, before I turned five. And, uh, and so throughout elementary school, junior high school, high school, I was a growing believer. Uh, God called me to go to uh, uh, Bible college and then on to seminary. And so in 1973, uh, I pastored my first church in Carrollton, Ohio. And I have uh, been pastoring for 50 years now. This actually marks the 50th year. Mm-hmm. And, uh, uh, and so I've had an opportunity to be in several different churches in both. Uh, I was in New York City for 15 years. I was in the South for probably 20 or 25 years and, uh, and some places in the Midwest. Uh, and so I've had an interesting experience in terms of learning different cultures and different approaches to things. And then uh, we moved here to Kansas City about seven years ago. And, uh, uh, and in that time, I've actually done two additional interim pastorates, one near Chicago, one in uh, Harrisburg, Pennsylvania. And, uh, and then I, I really, I'm part now of Faith Community Church. And one of the real desires and delight of my heart is to mentor younger guys that are interested in ministry. And in fact, yesterday afternoon, I met uh, two young men, uh, one at uh, 3.30, one at 5 o'clock. I think I got home at 7.30 last night, uh, just talking to them about ministry and what ministry looks like, and uh, shared with them just the joy that I've had in being able to spend my life uh, teaching, uh, reading, uh, studying, learning God's Word. And I found that I'd much rather teach somebody else how to endure suffering than endure it myself, you know. Hmm. And But, of course, you know, as you go through life, uh, uh, you face all of that. And the recognition that there comes a point of time that uh, you're going to stand before God and give an account. And so I've always been struck by this verse in 1 Timothy uh, 2. Uh, in first, I mean, in 2 Timothy 4, 6 through 8 where Paul says, I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and the time of my departure has come. Mm-hmm. And I'll, I'll tell you a short, quick story. Uh, recently, uh, Pastor uh, Paul, when he was preaching, mm-hmm. talked about going to his father-in-law's house, and they laid out a, a tape measure, and they put their finger 
you know, the inch meant uh, uh, kind of coinciding with the number of years they lived. And Paul said, I realize that, you know, I have more years behind me than I have ahead of me. Yeah. And so at uh, the dinner table, we were talking about that, and our granddaughter and a friend of hers was there. And so I have a, a six-foot folding rule, and I opened it up and said, okay, let's put our finger and see where we are. Well, when Ann and I, my wife, came to put ours on there, we're off the grid. It only goes to 72 <laughs> yeah. inches. You know, so we're a little beyond that, you know. And so as we think about the theme of, of death, of recognizing, as Paul said here, that uh, uh, my departure has come, it's near, mm -hmm. I recognize the same thing. It's probably not tomorrow or next week, but I realize I've lived 74 years, and so I don't have 74 years ahead. Mm -hmm. Maybe five years, maybe 10 years, maybe two years, maybe I have two days. We mm -hmm. never know that. But it's very different looking at life now from this perspective than when I was in seminary and looking at what's ahead or in the various ministries. But let me go on. Paul goes on to say, I have fought the good fight. I finished the race. I've kept the faith. Mm. You know, and that, of course, is the challenge. That was the challenge behind why I put together this material. Mm -hmm. uh, it wasn't just for the Men's Summit. I've already worked on this in different contexts, and it was bringing together various pieces for that. And then he goes on to say, henceforth, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will award to me on that day, and not only to me, but also to all who love his appearing. Mm -hmm. So I think that gives us a model, you know, and so I realize God has been so gracious to me. Uh, he's given me uh, the three score and ten plus, and, uh, and my desire is not just to crawl over the finish line, or limp over it, you know, but to finish strong. So that was kind of the title that we picked. Very good. Fantastic. I'm going to take a, I want you to get a little up closer to that mic for me, if you would. Do you want me to move it or? Whatever's more comfortable for you, man. No, I didn't know for him. I think it's good. Okay. So, so finishing strong, you explained that. Um, we would like you to kind of take us through um, your presentation. I know back in October when we did have the Men's Summit, um, just speaking with other guys who were there, they were very blessed by it. Um, and we're we're full. We're a church full of young men who are definitely not near retirement age, but it is something to think about because I'm sure, as you can attest, it creep up it creeps up on you faster than faster than you know it. That's exactly right. You know, it, it. I don't feel like I've lived this long. Yeah. You know, uh, when you look back and see all that's gone on. But when I did the presentation, I acknowledged the fact that this is really a mixed group. You know, there are young men that are just getting started. You know, then there are men that have young families and trying to sort out family responsibilities and work responsibilities. And then there are the empty nesters, you know, and then there are those who are already in retirement. And so the presentation wasn't just for, you know, people that are retired, but it was a recognition that we are all going through this process of life. And I love the example of uh, uh, Ridley and Latimer as they're being burned to the stake. And uh, uh, Latimer, Hugh Latimer calls out, Play the man, Master Ridley. 
we shall light such a candle by God's grace in England as I trust shall never be put out. And I love the thought, here are men that are eminently going to stand before God, just moments away, and their focus is not on escaping. Mm -hmm. Their focus is on giving witness, you know, so that their witness, even in their death, is going to move forward the cause of the gospel. So I think that it's really important to recognize our focus is not primarily on the fact that our life is going to come to an end. Mm -hmm. Our primary focus is that God has saved us. God has called us out of death into life, and we are his agents. And so as the Westminster Catechism, first question, what's the chief end of man? Chief end of man is to glorify God and enjoy him forever. And so our focus is, how do we glorify God? Mm -hmm. And one of the ways is that we manage and live our life in such a way that it is going to support the truth, you know, of the gospel. We talked about that this past Sunday, you know, that we are the pillar and the ground of the truth. We're supporting the reality of that in Jesus Christ. And so I love the verse in 1 Corinthians 16 where he says, Be watchful, stand firm in the faith, act like men. You know, I, I love that phrase, man up. You know, don't don't be wimps. And our culture has done much to denigrate uh, that sense of, of, of manhood and the strength of manhood and the propriety of that. And it's so often twisted now that there's something awful about that. But uh, Paul, under the inspiration of Scripture, says, act like men, be strong. Let all that you do be done in love. You know, so the primary focus that I wanted people to see is not just at age 70 or age 75 or age 80. It's eternity, you know, mm -hmm. and, and that as we think in terms of that, we are given a certain number of years that we serve God's purposes here, and we are able to uh, give uh, uh, witness to the goodness of God, the grace of God, the mercy of God. And so uh, life is really the context that God gives to us where we can give witness to his goodness, that we can, we can uh, uh, in one way, uh, stage the gospel. You know, and, and one of the things that, uh, as you uh, guys both know, has been really on my heart is this thing I've been developing for years called Cross Theater. Yeah. And that is that God created this world as a theater, you know, and, and time is uh, what he created in which these things could take place. And center stage in this is Jesus Christ, his incarnation, his life, his death, his burial, his resurrection, his ascension, you know, and his uh, return in power and in great glory. And so we want to make sure that our life is centered around that and recognize that God hasn't just saved us to go to heaven. Mm -hmm. God has redeemed us, called us to be a player on stage, you know, to, uh, uh, to uh, uh, perform, to, to set forth, to support the gospel of Jesus Christ. And so as men, whether you're a young man, whether, you know, you're an empty nester, whether you're retirement, all of us have that same responsibility and opportunity to say, how are we going to glorify God? 
You know, so that kind of is is what stands behind it. And then I took some time to talk about the uh, whole concept of of retirement and where it's you know it, it we've absorbed stuff from a pagan culture, uh, uh, a very non-Christian way of looking at things that. The idea is, listen, I've worked hard all my life. Uh, I've saved up some money, so I'm going to collect seashells. I'm going to go golfing. I'm going to spend time with grandchildren. And that, of course, radically misses the sense that I'm always in a covenant relationship with God. Mm-hmm. You know, And, and uh, the Bible never really talks about retirement the way we think about it. That kind of grew out of a, a concept in the 50s in America where suddenly we were starting to have greater amount of resources and wealth. Uh, health was improving. So in the 50s, somebody worked and, you know, they may stop working, but they were dead in a couple of years, you know, three or four years. Mm-hmm. You know, today, there are many people that are retired as long as they've actually worked, you know, with increased uh, uh, medical uh, resources and, and food and, you know, nourishment that's better. Uh, it's not uncommon to find somebody 85, 90, 95 years of age. And so it became a question, how do we use these last 10 years, 15 years, 20 years, 25 years that people have? And so the idea was, this is our time to do our thing. You know, we worked for, like you said in your note, global corporation for all these years. Now I get to do my thing. And, of course, if you recognize we're not our own, we're bought with a price, then uh, it's not a matter of us doing our thing. You know, it's a matter of us doing God's thing. So how does he want us to do that? How does he want us to live our life? So as I come to this point in my life, I I stopped actively pastoring Mm -hmm. uh, uh, about seven years ago. But I'm as much involved in ministry in terms of teaching. I I did one series at Faith Community Church, uh, Delighting in the Trinity. Uh, And in a couple of weeks, we're going to begin a new series, The Storyline of the Bible, and just kind of following what God is saying and communicating throughout Scripture. And uh, and so I, I think it becomes very important that we understand where this drama of redemption what God has done, where we fit into this, and what our role is now and what he wants us to play. You know, so one of the things that I focused on was uh, what are the kinds of things that men can do? I'm thinking particularly now of retired men, but it's going to be true for most any man. And that is developing these seven disciplines that we talked about. And so... Uh, Maybe we can pause here a second. Do you want me, you have some other questions there. I may have said some of the things that- You're just going down the list, answer uh, them all, so <laughs> you're in good job. Uh, but you, you want to kind of regroup and, and, and ask a question and-, and Yeah, go for it, man. Do you want me to? Yeah. Yeah, and I'm, I'm sorry, I'm kind of sitting here where I'm looking at Peter and- uh, oh, He's okay. better looking than I am anyway. <laughs> Uh, let me do it that way so that I'm, uh, it's not going just one direction. Uh, maybe I mean, the audio point. levels are good. That's fine. It, sho- it shows that it's good audio levels, That's so fine. I think we're okay. Okay. Do you have something you wanted to ask? Well, no, I, I mean, not necessarily. We can just, I thought we could just ask him kind of what are some of these different parts of this. 
Yeah, yeah that, that's what I was going to suggest, and then I can walk through uh, those uh, seven things that we call. I'll explain what CrossFit is, what I mean by that. Okay. And, uh, Great. Okay. So I'll get to this right now. Okay. So uh, Gary, you've, uh, you've you touched on a lot of things there, kind of taking us back to the. Um, cross-centered fitness idea and the finishing strong, what are some different components of that? How would you uh, lay that out for our listeners? Yeah, let, let me first of all tell you why I've come up with, uh, I haven't come up with the idea of CrossFit. You know, you're all familiar that this CrossFit training is a form of high-intensity interval training, uh, and many young guys are really caught up in that. And so I said, I want to take that and transpose that into spiritual disciplines for finishing strong to the glory of God. And so I took the term cross and I put it together with uh, a number of other words that we are familiar with to lay out seven things that uh, I think that we can do that are going to strengthen us, that are going to equip us to finish strong. And so the first one of those I called crosswalk. You know, every place you go, uh, there's going to be a crosswalk with the lines there. And so I said at the heart of what we need to do is to walk fittingly with God, developing the sense of communion with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. I think of the Ephesians 3 passage where Paul prays that they would be strengthened with might by his spirit in an inner man, that Christ would dwell in their hearts by faith, that being rooted and grounded in love, they'd be able to comprehend the depth of God's love. They'd be filled with all the fullness of God. And so at the heart of, of anything that, if, we, if we're going to finish strong, it means that we have to walk with God. And so when I put the word fitting, cross-fit, fitting is an important word throughout Scripture. And it has the idea, you're not going to go to a wedding, you know, in a pair of cutoffs and a tank top. Mm. You know, uh, it, that's not the fitting attire for that. Just like you're not going to go to the beach in a tuxedo. And so there's a fittingness to this mm. that uh, ought to characterize what our life looks like. And so in this area, we're talking about how we fit our life and all the things that we do that includes an ongoing relationship and dialogue with God. Mm. So it's not just a matter of us listening to God, it's a matter of dialoguing. That's where communion comes in, the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And when we went through the series on uh, the Trinity, we talked about John Owen's excellent book on communion with the Father, the Son, and the Spirit. And realizing just as in a family, you have a mother, a father, a brother, a sister, they're all related, but you relate to a father differently than you do to the mother, differently than you do to a sibling. And so it is, as Christians, we have a relationship with the Father, we have a relationship with the Son, we have a relationship with the Holy Spirit, and each of those are nourished somewhat differently. And so uh, anyone that neglects that, is going to, uh, uh, in many ways, be unsatisfied personally, and they're going to be ineffective in the long run because God designed us, as Augustine said, you know, we're going to be restless until we find our rest in God. So mm -hmm. communion, and one of the things that uh, retirement has done for me, I don't really call it retirement, but because, uh, and, and let me just say, when I was in ministry, 
I, I would probably do seven or six or seven messages or lessons, sermons, uh, Bible studies, uh, talks a week. So that gave me a lot of opportunity to cover a lot of ground. Mm -hmm. Now that I'm not doing that, it gives me more time. You know, my, my time, uh, uh, every morning I spend time with the Lord, reading the Word, praying. And in the past, I'd had 15 minutes to do that, 20 minutes to do that, and then you've got a schedule. Now I can take an hour and a half. I mm -hmm. can take three hours. I can take an hour. And it gives me an opportunity to read and think through things at a level that I couldn't before. So I think that when uh, a man is no longer working full-time, he has an opportunity to nurture a relationship with God mm. that is stronger and deeper than anything that he had time to do before. Mm -hmm. you know, so that's one of the things that, that I love. I, I've been a reader. Uh, I have probably read two or three books a week for 50 years. Uh, and uh, now, you know, I can read three or four books a week, you know, and uh, there's just, jealous. you know, there's just so much to read. You know, when you read one book, it suggests four or five others, and you go to one of those, and it suggests four or five others. So there's really not enough time to do that. And so that's one of the benefits of having time that I didn't have before. And while before I was focused on developing a number of specific things, here it's just kind of, you know, as the spirit moves, as opportunities come. And one of the things that I'm trying to do, I have a massive amount of material that I've developed through the years. I'm trying to organize that, and I want to hand that off to some younger guys that can take that and develop it and use it, particularly around uh, the theme of cross theater. So anyhow, that's the first discipline. And, and without that, none of these others work. So no, that's the foundation. That's right. You know, you can you can make them work, but ultimately they're hollow. Mm -hmm. You know, if you're missing this sense of communion, God created this theater, and uh, he did that in order that he might not only stage his love, but that he would share his love. And for us to go through life and miss that is to miss the heart of it. Mm -hmm. You know, it's, it's to miss what God designed us to do. Mm -hmm. So let me, let me talk to you about the second one. The second one I actually called CrossFit. Uh, the first one is CrossWalk, walking with God. The second one is CrossFit. And I mean by that fitting into church life, entrusting yourself to the care and the coaching and the training for ministry and for life. And I appreciate the fact that we are in a church now, in Faith Community Church, where we have uh, uh, several men that are committed to the responsibility of caring for me. In fact, I, I mentioned uh, the, uh, to you earlier, I, I've had this ongoing problem with me, my eye. I've had three surgeries in the last year. So I'm going to be meeting with the elders tomorrow to, and ask them to pray, you know, for that. And Amen. to anoint me with oil, according to what James chapter 5 says. And uh, I wouldn't have that uh, opportunity if I were just a Lone Ranger out there, mm -hmm. you know, and God never designed any Christian to be a Lone Ranger. You know, he always designed them to be part of a community of faith where there are men that are particularly gifted of God and called of God to uh, care, uh, to oversee, to direct, uh, to discipline, to correct. All of those things are part of it. And without a strong connection to a church, I don't think you're going to finish well. Mm. You know, I think that's an important part of it. You know, in Hebrews 13, 17, uh, it says that we are to 
respect and to listen to those that God has placed over us that they can minister to us and it's going to be good uh, for us if we don't give them a hard time doing that, you know, if we submit to them. And the way that I often describe that is it's much like uh, finding a doctor. You go see a doctor, he can't make you take a medicine or get a surgery or follow a particular regimen, but he can recommend that to you. You know, he and, and, and there's a difference between a friend who cares about your health and a doctor, a dentist, a, a caregiver that cares for your health. And so the, the leaders that we have in the church are there not just to care about you, but to care for you. And that becomes essential that we're willing to put ourselves under their care. Mm. And so I've, in fact, met with our elders and talked about the mentoring process and, you know, what do they see? What do they think would be helpful? I have time that they don't have, you know, to mm. work with some of these young men. So uh, that has been a delight for me. So going back to that, I'm, I'm sure you've seen, I know I've seen in my life personally, that you do get some older men, older women included as well, who maybe think, okay, I know a lot, I've walked with the Lord for a long time, but for some reason that gives them an excuse to not be in, in part of fellowship. Have you seen that before? Oh, and if you have, I'm assuming you have, tell us what are some of the consequences of that? Yeah, I, I think it's just the self-centeredness that we're focusing on looking. Uh, it's a narcissistic uh, weakness that we simply are looking in the mirror and saying, what can I do to make myself more uh, comfortable, uh, more respected, more loved, more whatever? And it misses the fact that Jesus did not come to be served, but he came to serve and give his life as a ransom for many. And so I think that, that we miss the opportunity to bless other people. My life verse has really been uh, the Philippians 1, where Paul said that uh, my desire really is that I depart and go to be with the Lord. That would be better by far. But he said, it's more uh, needful for you that I remain. Then he says, convinced of this, I know that I'm going to continue and remain with all of you for your progress and join the faith so that through my being with you, your joy in Christ will overflow on account of me. And I characterize that as blessing people. What's my, my challenge in life? How can I bless people? How can I see them progress you know, in their uh, uh, spiritual growth, maturity, their joy in life? How, through my being with them, is their joy in Christ going to overflow? And so as I look at people, I'm not looking to see what can they contribute to me? What can I get out of them? But I'm asking how can, you know, the blessing of God that's come into my life, how can I channel that back to them so they're going to be blessed through that? And that really goes against the, like you mentioned before, the modern idea of retirement where it's yes. all about, okay, I'm going to kick back my lazy boy. I'm going to enjoy what I've worked hard for. And there's nothing more expected or required of me. But you put yourself in a situation to where, okay, this is my bo this is the body of Christ. There are things expected of me, and I, I have duties to fulfill. It's interesting that those two play together, because I don't think a lot of people think those two things go together. Yeah, and, and it's, it's fair to say that with many that take that, there are some 
that have taken retirement as a second opportunity. They don't need support. They mm. can do missions work in a foreign country. Amen. You know, they can do things to serve that they would not have been able to do before. And so while we, you know, bewail many that neglect the opportunity, I think we need to celebrate those who've recognized, and I've got another 10 years, you know, I, I don't want to spend the next 10 years in a rocking chair and, you know, and the rest of the time on the golf course, you know, I, I want to see the gospel advance, you know, so I can use the opportunities that God gives me to bless other people. So Amen. when I talk about blessing them, I'm thinking progress and joy in the faith, mm -hmm. you know, and, uh, and how, uh, through my being with them, is their joy in Christ going to increase? You know, and I think if, if guys going into retirement would think in terms of that, how do I use these next 10 years, 5 years, 15 years, so that I can help others progress? Mm. And that's where I love the mentoring thing. You know, I think at this point, I can do more good for the kingdom to take some young guys and help encourage them, equip them, give them some resources than me just actively doing ministry myself. Yeah. And, uh, and I think that 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 is true, a guy that's been a businessman. You know, he can mentor young guys that are going through some of the struggles with that. And so, you know, where my interest is particularly on young guys going into ministry, pastoral, missions work, so forth, a businessman that, you know, has finished that, he can look for some young men that are in business, that he can mentor them in a way that I would not be near as effective. You know, so whatever your life has been spent doing, you need to recognize there are other people that are like you in that same range that the things that you've learned and the successes you've had and the failures, you know, that oftentimes the failures can be more beneficial to people than your successes. Mm -hmm. And in fact, it's been interesting, uh, you know, I have preached thousands of times, you know, through the years. And one of the things, the feedback that often comes back is that people appreciate the fact when I acknowledge my weakness, my mm. failures, and they recognize I'm not somehow on a level above them, but I am right where they are. You know, it just, we have a, a different responsibility. And so even sharing the failures in work or business or parenting, uh, that can have a great benefit to other people, and it, it makes it real. You're not pretending to be something that you're not. No one is on a pedestal, uh, and no one is in the tank. You know, we're, we're all somewhere in between. You know, so again, that's why uh, the, uh, uh, the community, the fellowship in the church, both with leaders that can nurture you, mm -hmm. with other believers that can uh, walk with you. And my encouragement is always that every, every, every believer ought to have two or three people that are ahead of them you know, that they can learn from. They ought to have two or three people that are their peers, you know, that they're kind of where they are, and they ought to have two or three people that are behind them that they can encourage. And that way it balances. If you're only dealing with people that are ahead of you, you're going to have a misshapen view of yourself. It'll be distorted. Mm -hmm. Or if all you're doing is working with people that are behind you, it's easy to develop a sense of pride. Well, when you have this, you realize we're always in the middle someplace. You know, none of us are all the way at the front of the line or all the way at the end of the line. We're somewhere in between. You know, and if we, re if we find some people that can walk through life with us, 
you know, in the pilgrimage of life. I, I love Bunyan's Pilgrim's Progress. And mm-hmm. We're big it, fans on this show. Pardon me? We're big fans on this uh, show. I, I love that. I love actually the second part where Christian takes Christiana and the mm-hmm. children, mm-hmm. and you have this group of people, Mr. Ready to Halt, Mr. Laymind, and so forth. Uh, what a beautiful picture of how we walk together. You know, so uh, anyone that neglects to nurture this relationship you know, with a, a, a church, a fellowship of believers, leaders who care for you, Christians that work with you, uh, they're not going to finish strong. Mm. Very good. Good word, brother. So uh, I think that kind of covered number three, which is cross-court, which is kind of fitting together with others. So that's Yeah, yeah. actually, go hand in hand. I talked about cross-court. I'm thinking particularly about the relationships that we have. Okay. Uh, and, and that's true in fellowship and church. But I'm thinking there of family, okay. you know, of nurturing those relationships. Things change. Uh, we talk about this that uh, when when our grand we had five grandchildren that were born within a three year period of time. So we got all of our grandkids at one time. That's when we were pastoring in New York City. Mm-hmm. So we've got thousands of pictures at the Macy's Parade and you know Times Square and uh, the Christmas tree and all that stuff. And, and that, those were wonderful times that we, you know, were able to share that with him. Now, all of my grandkids are in college and driving. Mm-hmm. And they, you know, the dependence they once had on is not there. Yeah. You know, so now the challenge is, how do you develop and maintain those relationships when, you know, we have three of them that, you know, are in, in Charlotte, you know, so we don't see them very often. Then we have two that are right here that we see often. So how do you how do you nurture that? You know how do you develop the the relationship with family, and that becomes you know extremely important. Becomes extremely important. One of the challenges that many people, many guys face when they retire is, uh, can their wife put up with them being at home all the time? <laughs> I and, wonder that myself you know, when and, I get to that age. <laughs> you know, and can you put up with being there? You know, and we have found some tension points with that. But it has, it's been great in so many ways. You know, there, there are ways that I can help her uh, do things that before I just wasn't available to do that. I was not at the house. Now I am. And so rarely is she driving to a doctor's appointment or uh, do errands. I'm there with her. So we get to spend time that we didn't before. You know, and um, uh, we, we often kid, though, our, our, our main social calendar, you know, our doctor's visits, you know, and. Uh, going to, you know, do those kinds of things. But uh, maintaining relationship with people is critical. You know, family, uh, I talked about uh, uh, church, uh, work associates, people that you uh, had uh, uh, a work relationship with, that can, needs to continue to be nurtured. And I think that helps you, again, uh, to, to finish strong. And particularly if you can find those that are behind you that you can encourage and kind of watch their growth and be there to pray for them, encourage them, and support them. That's great. Very good. Well, why don't you get, get them to the next one for us? Yeah, the, the next one I called crosshair. Okay. Uh, and I want you to think about looking through a scope, you know, and, uh, you know, your target is in the crosshair, you know, and, and you're going to be focused on that. And when you pull the trigger, you're going to hit that target. And, uh, and what I'm thinking about here is cultivating a fit mind. And, you know, we are bombarded with so much 
whether it's video, whether it's audio, uh, uh, the, the things that we can bring before our eyes are uh, 10,000 times more than they could do 50 years ago, 100 mm -hmm. years ago. And, and with that comes a great benefit. There are so many great things there. You can, you know, you can go, uh, I, I just think of, of the ease of accessing information. When I was in seminary, I bought uh, the full set of the Nicene, post-Nicene, Antonicene Fathers. Spent four or $500 to get all of those volumes. Uh, recently, I bought all of them for $5, you know, on uh, a Kindle, a digital version of that, you know. And, and so uh, uh, there are so many things there. But along with that, there's so much that's perverse. And so there needs to be a, a filter there. You know, we need to be gatekeepers to know what we want to let into our mind, what we want to keep away from our mind. And that's why, you know, Paul says in the uh, Philippians 4 passage, you know, think about those things that are good and pure and holy because pornography, you know, uh, on the Internet is rampant. I've seen different figures of the billions of views. And, and again, I'm not going to quote those because I don't remember them exactly, but it is just staggering the number of people that struggle with the stuff that's there, uh, and and a level of perversity we probably can't really understand and, and even know about. And so it becomes important to get your mind fixed on that which is going to be pure and holy and good. And, and again, as I said, just reading, there is so much great stuff to read. You know, and there are so many great biographies to read of, 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 of men and women that have made significant contributions. So uh, I, I think that, that uh, one of the best things that could happen is if Christians would just unplug their television sets, mm. you know, and recognize there is almost nothing on there that's going to edify you. You know, and I've used the illustration, uh, 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 let's say that I'm really hungry, and here is a clump of grass, or here is rat poison. Okay, if I eat the clump of grass, it's not going to kill me, but it's not going to nourish me. There's nothing there that's going to help me. However, I eat the rat poison, you know, that's going to kill me. You know, and so much of what people are putting in their minds are not the grass, it's just neutral. You know, it's not going to do yeah. you good, it's not going to hurt you, but it's the poison that they're taking in. And what concerns me, and I mentioned this on Sunday, is that the sinister ideologies that are behind the things, the whole woke culture, the social justice, all of the critical race, the critical gender theories, the critical queer theories, all the rest of those, they, there is an ideology behind that which is totally uh, opposed to everything that a godly man wants to be. And the danger is they don't confront you in a direct way. They kind of slip in, you know, and they catch you, and you're already committed to that before you understand that. Mm -hmm. So going back to the modern idea of retirement where it seems like, okay, we're going <clears> to <throat> we're gonna shift it down a gear, we're going to relax. Sounds like you're saying in that point about the crosshair is that there needs to be another level of discipline to, to use your time. As, mm -hmm. as a man who's not working full-time, who probably has a lot of extra time on his hands that he didn't before, it yeah. sounds like the enemy can slip in and, and yeah. do a lot of damage. With That's that. right. And ac 
actually, you're alluding to what I call CrossFit 7, okay. which is what I call Crossway. Oh. Fitting into oh, a schedule. Sorry. <laughs> you know, that's okay. Managing your time, you know, to fit the role and the purpose of assigned to you by God. Okay. You know, and, and you we all know the verse, you redeem the time because yeah. the days are evil. And it means that that time is a gift that God's given to us that we have to give an account for. Just as he's given us financial resources, they're not our own to do whatever we want. They're his. We are to manage them for his glory. So it is that that time is a precious thing. In fact, I remember reading Jonathan Edwards was so convinced of the need not to waste his time that his schedule was set up in 15-minute intervals. You know, he wasn't going to waste any time. Uh, and, uh, and we are time wasters, you know, and I, I just think of the mindless, numbing games that people play on their iPhone or, you know, they play on their video, and it doesn't accomplish anything, and, and maybe it keeps the brain working in some way, uh, but it's certainly not what God envisioned, you know, that we would be able to finally score an 8,000, you know, on this video game after, you know, 17,000 hours of working on it, and you're going to stand before God and say, well, look, you know, I got an 8,000 here, you know, only, you know, 0.07% of the people ever, God's not going to be impressed with that, no. you know, and, and so uh, the time that God gives to us, we're accountable for that. I, I, like to, I like to say that men are answerable agents, and I mean by that, that no one is free and independent to do their own thing. Every created being is made in the image of God, and they're in a covenant relationship with God. And that covenant relationship is either one that they resist it and fight against it, or they submit to it and they follow it, but everyone is in that covenant relationship with God. And um, so if we, if we understand that and recognize, wow, I have to give an account for the time that I've spent. Have I used that to the glory of God? Has it benefited me? Has it blessed others? Has it honored and has glorified God? One of the things that we did with our kids when they were growing up, uh, very often when uh, children misbehave, uh, they'll say, well, that's not acceptable. And we said, yeah, there's a better way to say that. And so our approach to this was, do you think that glorified God? Mm. You know, what you just said, do you think that glorified God? You know, what you just did to your brother, do you think that glorified God? And, and, and so we tried to build that in. Uh, so it was not just something they heard on Sunday, but it's something, you know, that they heard all the time. And I think when it comes to time, we need to recognize that God's going to say, and what did you do for the last hour? How did you spend the last three weeks? You know, how did you spend, you know, the last seven years? Uh, you know, as you're approaching the point you're going to stand before God, you ought to be giving thought to the fact that everything that you've said and done, in fact, Jesus said, even your idle words you have to give an account for. You know, that's going to be pretty awesome. And so, you know, I, I think as you approach that point that you're going to stand before God, those things come into focus uh, in a way that it's easy in our culture to lose sight of them and feel like, okay, I've got to give 42 hours or 80, you know, 48 hours or 36 hours to the company. I've got to give a few hours to my family, but the rest is mine. Mm -hmm. Now, a steward recognizes it's all of God, you know, and so he gives you this, 
and you need to you know you need to organize that in a way that is going to reflect what you say you believe because the reality is there are lots of Christians that check off various doctrines and they agree with them but then you look at the way they live, and it's not embodied in their life. Right. You know, so I've come to the place to say, uh, I, I don't care what you tell me you believe. You know, show me the way you live. That will tell me what you really believe. You know, because those two things go together. So in saying that, and I agree 100%, where does, where does rest come in in that, though? Where, where, do, we, where do we find the time to... Say okay, I'm going to sit back and enjoy my grandkids for right. for a while. Mm-hmm. I, I want to take a nice vacation with my wife because we put, we put a lot of work into raising those kids. Yeah, you know, mm-hmm. how does that fit into that? And it's a great question. And and throughout Scripture, the whole idea of rest it starts at the very beginning. You know, God mm-hmm. created the world, and the seventh day He rested. You know, and throughout the Old Testament, you see this idea of rest, the rest in the land. You know, uh, Joshua talks about that. David talks about that. And he points forward to ultimately the rest that we have in Christ. And so Hebrews makes the point of this, that, that we are to enter into the rest that we have. So there is a sense in which our walk and our relationship to Christ brings a respite, a rest. And then ultimately, uh, in the new heavens and new earth, what's that going to be? You know, it's going to be finally the consummation of that rest. You see it flowing throughout. And so while there is a need for discipline and exercising yourself, uh, your time and energy for the glory of God, uh, that certainly includes time to be alone, time to spend with your wife, time to spend with your family, time to enjoy those other things. But it's, that is to be done to the glory of God, you know, not as a diversion away from that, but recognizing God gave me a wife, God gave me children, God gave me friends, God gave me resources so that I can take a vacation for a month now that I couldn't do that before. And that's been one of the benefits we've enjoyed, that we can go to Charlotte, see our, our daughter, and spend two or three weeks there, where before it was two or three days, and you know it was a travel day there and a travel day back, and you know so uh, you were always pressed. And so I don't think that this is saying you can't ever relax, that you can't ever rest. In fact, I'm going to argue that ought to be part of our life anyhow, you know, not just, you know, as you come to the end of your life. And so now it gives you some freedoms that you didn't have before. And, uh, uh, I, you know, I have always been up at 5.30, 6 o'clock in the morning. And now I'm sometimes sleeping until 8 o'clock. You know, uh, 730, uh, 9 o'clock, I woke up one morning. And I, I didn't have that freedom, you know, to do that before. And so uh, it, it's not arguing that it's go, 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 go. Uh, it, it's the balance. And, in fact, in, in the CrossFit uh, things, uh, another uh, uh, presentation of this was balancing life, bringing balance to life. And so when all of those things together... There's a balance there. So there is uh, exercise, energy, discipline with rest, you know, refreshment, uh, joy that God has given us. I think of the verse that says God's given us all these things richly to enjoy. You know, it is not this kind of just nose to the grindstone until they finally put you under. 
you know, it's the fact that God's given us these things so that we can enjoy them. And uh, whether it's a, a good meal, you know, whether it's a, a, a great, uh, uh, you know, music piece that you enjoy. Uh, we were talking recently about Handel's Messiah, mm. you know, and just how powerful that is, you know, to sit down and just have that minister to you. And uh, there's so many, you know, old hymns that are great. The fact is, though, there's some really bad old hymns. So it's not old things are good, and there's some really awful new things, but there's some great new things as well. You know, and I think as you find the, you know, the, the balance of that, there is a range of those things that can really benefit us. So uh, recognizing uh, that uh, we have to give an account of our time and a schedule, I think, is, a, is an important part of this. Very good. So, I mean, what I'm hearing is everything we have is a gift, and we need to recognize that and not, um, not squander that. That's right. And, and going along with that kind of takes us into this idea of financial fitness. Yes. And let me, let me just make a comment. It's not only not squandering it, but it's investing it, mm. you know, so that it's multiplied. So it's going to produce fruit. You know, and, and I, I just read this morning in uh, Matthew, what is it, 25, about the uh, a king that gave the servants, you know, one five talents, one two, mm. one one, and the five gained five more, the two gained two more, and the other one went and hid it. And he said, you wretched servant, you yeah. know. Uh, and so we don't need to just not squander it. You know, you could commend him the fact that he didn't steal it, you know, he gave it back to him, but he didn't use it. He didn't develop that. And uh, so we ought to do that. And so, again, uh, going back to uh, number five, I call this crossroads, pursuing financial fitness. And the idea here is exercising stewardship to ensure two things. On the one hand, that there is going to be financial stability. Uh, one of the problems that many families deal with is because of failures here, it's not just that they haven't made enough money, they haven't managed it well then those crises, many of the counseling sessions I've had in the past have been related to that because of financial stress that's there. And we're likely to see some dramatic fallout in the days ahead, you know, in yeah. families struggling with this. And so particularly at this point in their life, the goal is to be at a place where you're stable, you know, where uh, you're not in a crisis mode, and hopefully, if God's blessed you, you're able to be generous and be able to share what you have. And, you know, one of the great uh, benefits, and Ann and I think about this, you know, I, as I said, I've been a pastor for all of these years. I've never made a lot of money. I don't have a big pension. And so our goal is to have enough resources uh, till we reach the end of our life so we don't have to depend on somebody else. But we want to manage those so that if there's something left, of that, you know, it can go on to bless somebody else, whether it's our grandchildren or whether it's a, a ministry that I'm involved with. And so uh, uh, when you do this well, it not only provides for you now, but it allows you to be generous. We can't be quite as generous now because we don't know how much of that we're going to need, you know, but as we manage it, at the end, even when we're gone, you know, the, the, the wills can be set up so those resources are going to be used to bless other people. And again, the scripture, 1 Timothy, particularly has a lot to say, you know, about our approach to that. 
And, and one of the things that I would say is we really <clears throat> need to push against consumerism, mm -hmm. this idea that life is bound up in what you have. You know, Jesus is the one that said, life does not consist in the abundance of things that you possess. You know, it's not the car, it's not the house, it's not all of the stuff that you accumulate there. Uh, but uh, it's, it's recognizing that all of this, you know, is a stewardship. God's given me this. I want to use it, you know, for his glory. I want to be wise so that, you know, that I've been able to save and prepare for that. And then as that comes, that I'm wise in how I manage that, and that if there's some left at the end, if, if Ann and I are, you know, die in a car wreck tomorrow, then what's left, you know, can be used for other people, you know. And so it's, 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 it's balancing the financial stability. We don't want to have to depend on somebody else with also, you know, the opportunity to be generous, you know, and to, and to share that with others. So for young guys like Peter and I, those men that you're discipling at FCC, what are just some practical things that you would say, hey, you need to be thinking about this financially. What are, what are some, some tips you give to young guys like us? Yeah, and, and I think it's important to recognize that uh, uh, many people tend to think that uh, the government's going to take care of you. You know, you're going to get Social Security, and so, you know, everything is going to be great. The reality is whatever you get is not going to support you. And so you need to think through how am I going to save and preserve some of what I have and, uh, and invest that wisely. Uh, and, and the challenge is that you don't want to take everything that you get and put it aside so that you become a hoarder. You want to be generous throughout. On the other hand, you don't want to go to the other extreme that just everything that you have is given away or, you know, it, it just consumed. You want to find a balance between that where there is, uh, and the book of Proverbs has a lot to say about this, you know, of, of uh, setting aside the resources that you have, preserving them so that you have something to pass on to your family. Uh, and again, this has not been my strength. The financial side of things has not been... Uh, where uh, I have had a, any special ability or interest. And so I've really depended on others to guide us through that. Haven't always got the best advice, but I've tried to follow that advice. And so I think with many of the younger guys, they need to think through in terms of 30, 40, 50 years. You don't have to put a pile of stuff ahead when you're 30, you know, because you've got 30 more years, 35 more years to accumulate that. Uh, but it's very helpful if you can have some oversight and some direction, you know, from somebody that that is their gift uh, to help guide that. So go find good counsel, financial yes. counsel. Yes, yes. Very that's good. right. Go for it. So um, another gift that we've been given is our body. That's right. So so how should we manage that and uh, invest for the, the short time that we have here. On yeah, I, I call this crosswinds. I don't know if that's the, breath, the best word. I couldn't think of another. But the idea is maintaining a fit body, recognizing that our body is a temple of the Holy Spirit. And so we have some responsibilities in terms of uh, uh, diet and exercise and rest. Uh, and uh, uh, that, again, is part of the discipline that we need to develop. And... Uh, Thankfully, God has blessed me with great health. I've essentially never had anything 
uh, that I've had to deal with like that. And it's been striking in, in pastoral hospital visitations. You know, I've seen everything that you can imagine uh, of the sickness. And, and God has uh, blessed me with good health. The last year, I've had, you know, uh, more uh, things to deal with than I have my whole life. And it's made me appreciate people that have been suffering those things, you know, through all of their life. And I real and, and my goal is that the things that I suffer with are not the result of just neglect because I'm not right. getting the, the, the diet, I'm not, you know, exercising, I'm not doing those things. And, and and that's a particular challenge, I think, to all of us, you know, particularly in the world that we live in, that it's so much easier to stop and get a burger, you know, than it is to, you know, to eat healthy. And uh, you know, I wish one of the things that I, I wish that I had done uh, more uh, in, a, in a, a better, uh, more comprehensive way was the time at the gym. You know, uh, basically, as a pastor, I'm sitting in a chair. You know, I'm counseling somebody. I'm sitting in the car going to visit somebody in the hospital, sitting in somebody's home, talking with them. And uh, I get up and walk from my seat to the pulpit, and then I come and walk down. So I, my, you know... As a pastor, I don't get much of that. But I had a young guy in New York that took me to the gym and got me started in a regimen that I have kept up pretty much through the years. Uh, and uh, and actually, it's been intermittent this year with all the, the things that have gone on physically. Uh, but I think that's one of the things that we can do. Uh, and the challenge for me is, is diet. Mm-hmm. You, know, uh, uh, you know, I have been on a seafood diet. You know, all my life. If I see it, I eat it. And, you know, it's never been a problem. The last 10 years, though, you gain a little bit here, gain a little bit here, and you realize it's a whole lot harder to get rid of it than it is to get it, mm-hmm. you know. And so I think, again, it's it's the balance that's there that we don't idolize, you know, the trim and fit body. But we recognize that I think my goal has been not to... Uh, uh, attract attention when I go to the beach. You know, my my goal has been that uh, uh, I'm not going to spend a lot of time and a lot of money for doctors because I've neglected to do those things early on. Well said. Yeah. Very good. Do you, anything else on the CrossFit? Did we work through all seven of them? Well, that's that's all seven of them. Yeah. Excellent. Very good. Well, I think we've got a part two, which is exciting with Gary Scott. I think we're going to wrap it up here. Um, Gary, thanks for running through that with us. I think it'll be very helpful for for our listeners. And uh, but we will be back with part two uh, next time. So thank you for listening to Death and Glory podcast. We hope this episode has edified you. Please take a moment to go to your favorite podcast platform, like and review the episode, share it with your friends, all that good stuff. You know what to do. We'll see you next time. To Canaan's land, I'm on my way where the soul of man never dies. My darkest night will turn to day, the soul of man never dies. Dear friends, there'll be no sad farewell, there'll be no tear-dim nights. Where all is peace and joy and love, where the soul of man never dies. Arose
roses growing there for me where the soul of man never dies and i will spend eternity where the soul of man never dies dear friends there'll be no sad farewell there'll be no tear dim nights where all is peace and joy and love where the soul of man never dies